All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite set. I am devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? What up, whoreheads, and welcome to another episode of Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel DeBona. And I'm David Uyoa. And we have decided to take the second half of February so and celebrate Black History Month through our, our through our use of movies. And we're doing some black horror. We did some we did a little bit of romance back at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And we've done two years ago, we did a whole month of romance. Last year we did a whole month of black horror. We decided mm-hmm. the best way to kind of go about it this year was to split it in half. Yeah. Last year we did some bangers. Like last year we hit a bunch of high notes, right? Blackula. Uh, there was no, not one miss. Tales, uh, Tales from the Hood. Yeah, yeah, I mean it was just it was just boom, boom, boom last month. So this year we decided to dig a little bit deeper and maybe inspire some of y'all to watch something that you hadn't seen yet, but that was easily and readily available. And we are doing His House this week, a movie that is up on Netflix right now. A movie that is something pretty special as we're going to get into, especially when you realize that it is the directorial debut of uh, Remy Weeks, the uh, writer and director of this thing. So uh, in a section that we're just calling Black Horror that we're going to kick off with here, Dave, I mean, take us through what your overall thoughts of his house were. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of spoil it right now. This movie's perfect. Yeah. This movie's absolutely perfect, and I I finished the movie and couldn't move. Yeah, I'm I'm like getting emotional now just thinking about this movie. It's some some movies are two movies in one, right? And and, and do it particularly well. And and I think the perfect example of this is Predator. Predator happens to be a uh, like an action uh, adventure movie in the beginning, and it right. turns into into a survival horror movie at the end, all the while being a creature feature. So um, there's there's movies that can do that. That it's like I am this and I am this other thing, and then there's movies that manage to mesh those things together. So so perfectly and this movie manages to be about immigration it manages to be about race it manages to be about genocide it manages to be about um social awareness and it happens to be a monster movie yeah all at once all at once and explores generational trauma cultural trauma um the trauma of of immigrating to another country it's absolutely astounding how much is in this movie and it's under two hours long yeah like like it's 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 a hair it's a hair over an hour and a half and there is so much to this movie i i found myself i don't know i had to have been a, a little less than halfway through the movie and i picked up the phone and i texted you and i said this is 
this is fucking incredible. Yeah. It's it's amazing. And I don't think that any movie has moved me as much, affected me as much, not just for this podcast, but at all, like in my private personal life, as much as this movie since Hereditary. Yeah. It's uh, th this is something out of this world. Yeah. Like there, there's absolutely no need to bury the lead on this thing. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, this movie is incredible. We spent a lot of time when we did the boogeyman talking about the, the, the hole that we'd fallen into of trauma and grief mm -hmm. becoming a trope in horror. And when we looked at boogeyman, we looked at the fact that it was, it was a side note. The movie is exactly the same without it. It was just tossed in there because that's what movies are about right now. That's right. how you sell horror is you sell grief and you sell trauma. His house took the idea of, grief and trauma and created something that you you just you couldn't get away from and then it said but it's not just about the death of one person it's not just about the death of a loved one it's about the death of a dream it's mm -hmm. about the death of a nation it's about the death of a relationship it became everything it's like remy weeks sat down to write this thing and just thought of every type of deep trauma, like, like deep, deep trauma that he could. But it didn't become a thing where he was just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. Mm -hmm. It became this amazing message on how all of these things are tied together. How that right. one drop can cause the levy to burst right how that one thing that causes trauma living in a war-torn country can then just cascade into traumatic experience after traumatic experience after traumatic experience and it did all of these things in a way that never felt forced that's what was amazing to me about this every right. logical step or every step from one trauma to the next from one event to the next made so much sense. You never said, well, how come just because they left the country now their life is this? No, no, no. Like we got every bit of why all of this mattered and why the picture of a person is so much bigger than, oh, this is the story of an immigrant. Right. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a trope. Right. Oh, it's the, it's the story of an immigrant come to, you know, London and, and, and this is this is what they have to deal with. And that's traumatic. No, fuck no. He painted this entire just uh, uh, what's the word? I'm mural is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. I kept wanting to say moral. He painted this entire mural of what goes in to being not just an immigrant, not just somebody from a war torn country, but to being a person. Who has a past? I and was going to say that this movie is about the 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 trauma of a people. Yes, in in yes. the in, in the plural sense, like uh, of of a group of people. It's um, because it is all those things, and if you've ever had to go through a trauma as a culture, as a as a society. 
you'll identify with this, even if you don't identify with everything. And I think that every everyone has this because we live in a time, unfortunately, uh, and have lived in a, in, in a time where there's not more than a period of maybe a couple of years before the next gigantic generationally defining event happens. Right. And, um, and so if you've lived in the same town your whole life and all the people in your town look like you and everyone worships the same way you do and everyone listens to the same music you do, that's fine. You'll still understand, even if it's a modicum of the story, because you've gone through some trauma in your life. And, exactly. and 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 it's shared and that's the thing with trauma is that it's shared it doesn't stay in the confines of the person that experiences it it it, it, it touches everyone yeah and, and he so you you start to look at this movie and you, you start to unwrap all of these things and and exactly what you said this just becomes a story of the human experience mm-hmm. and you, and so, and so it feels kind of weird to say that because, you know, we're fortunate enough to not be from somewhere that is war torn. But when you pull the lens way out, you realize that there are plenty of people who are from places that are mm-hmm. war torn. Right. And just because you've never had that experience, doesn't make it a very valid part of the human experience. And and I think that something that you said is very important. And that is, even if you cannot relate to everything that's in this, which if you can, you are bless you for being alive still, right? right? Because this was something else, but there's something in here that you can, that you can put your finger on and, and start to understand. And I think that one of the most amazing things about his house is how real it felt. There are so many times when you watch a, a movie about a haunting or about a ghost and and something is, for the purposes of cinema, so outlandish that you go, okay, like, you know, I'm with you and I've suspended my disbelief and it was a great movie, but also mm, maybe not, you know? Right. <laughs> There's, I would venture to say, no moments like that in this movie because every time something can almost every time something completely just untoward happens it is then encased in something where you go well maybe right until you get to the very end but it's still done so masterfully i just i kept finding myself not only amazed at just how beautiful this movie was and how beautifully sad the story was but just in how completely engrossing it is for mm. somebody who has lived none of these experiences. You know, mm. I've, I've, I haven't, I haven't lost a child. I'm not from a war torn country. I'm not an immigrant. You know, I, I've never had to follow all of these rules or, or deal with, with the, the, the racism or culturalism, I guess, if you will, yep. that, that comes with those moments. Yet I still felt, like it was relatable. And, and that was so bizarre to me that, that it was, that it was just that engrossing and that good. I, I just, 
man, I don't, this movie, dude, this, and, and for, for something that I had heard nothing about Netflix and their infinite algorithm wisdom threw this thing at me. And I was like, hell yeah, that looks interesting. And mm -hmm. that's how we ended up here. And damn, I'm glad we did. Um, this is one that had been on my radar. Um, I don't know, right, right around the time of COVID, I think. Um, I, I remember seeing an ad for this or reading something on the internet about it. And I was like, oh, this looks really good. And it was 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. And I was like, I got to watch this thing. And never got around to it. And then it totally fell off my radar. And I'm so glad that we ended up doing this. Um, but let's let's keep going. Because if we just sit here and, and just keep like <laughs> – espousing all these like uh, uh, platitudes about this this movie it's gonna end up being uh something insane uh oh hey look at this uh former student of mine oliver trembles gave us a little peace sign what's up ollie uh th thanks for uh for coming in um so let's move on to the story right so um in a section we're calling immigration and horror the um I don't want to say that the story is the most compelling part about this because the acting is insanely good. Uh, the the cinematography, the sound design, lighting, like it, there's really nothing you can say about this movie. Where it's like, oh, yeah, this is better than the other thing. <laughs> right. So in one of the most compelling parts of the movie, um, we, we have a, we have a story about um, a, a, a husband and wife, a family leaving um, South Sudan. Yes. Um, you mentioned, Daniel, that this is not your story. Right. I firmly believe that if you have experienced this or it is a part of your family history, culture, tradition, you're definitely going to feel something here. But I also firmly believe that you don't need to experience something to be able to empathize with people and to be able to appreciate other people's stories. So what does the story do for you? So we are given the story of uh, Rial and Ball and mm -hmm. they uh, immigrate to England from uh, Sudan. And uh, we're immediately kind of greeted with a little bit of what was happening as they escape. Mm -hmm. And then we're seen where they're released from detention and they're told, okay, you get a house, but here's a laundry list of rules that you have to follow. And you see that they're just so excited mm -hmm. and they, they get this house. And then the story slowly starts to unfold and you start to find that you find out that they lost a child. Uh, while while escaping from Sudan and weird stuff starts to happen around the house and you know just just all of this goes on where this story moved me in, in well one of the ways mm -hmm. is this is one of those movies that uh that that sells the you know be happy with what you have without being like ridiculously ham-fisted about it Mm -hmm. Right. You're watching them. They they get this house and they walk in. And in so many movies, this is the scene where you see the the teenage kid who just got moved into this house. Just be utterly disgusted. Oh, what are we doing in this house? It stinks. The door fell off. The paint's peeling. There's a pizza right. box here with roaches in it. 
and you see them walk through and they see everything that's wrong with this house. And all they say is all of this is ours. Yeah. This is our house. And so you, you, you immediately are like, okay, like I, this is, I, I, I get it. I understand. And so you, you start to, so you're, you're buying in and you're realizing how important um, this, this house is to them. And there's, you know, there's a very interesting moment when they first move in and they say, all of this is ours. And uh, Matt Smith's character says, yes, it's bigger than, it's my, bigger house. than my house. Yeah. And that becomes a reoccurring theme throughout mm-hmm. the movie when they interact with uh, with the white characters in mm-hmm. the movie. Like almost this bizarre, like it, it, it's jealousy to an extent, right? Yeah. Um, even though they know they're living in a slum, but they still have to throw that in their face. Like, oh, well, you should be happy with what you gave you, what we gave you. It's bigger than it's bigger than my house. Yeah. And so and, you start- and, and it is it is that it's what we gave you. Yes. And, and you're right. It comes up later. And when it comes up later in, in that one particular scene that I think we're both going to talk about, it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And so so you so you immediately start to see more and more of these social elements that are plugged into this. But again, none of it feels forced. It's all so subtle. And it's all just so beautifully painted layer after layer. And so eventually, you know, they, they, they start to, the house is haunted and they start coming at it from these, these different perspectives, which was one of the really crazy things about this movie. You've got, you've got ball who this is his house. As he keeps saying, this is my house. You're not going to do this to me. He's going to tear apart the house. If that's what it takes to figure out, he's going to burn everything they came with. Cause it's his house and it's not going to be taken from him. And then you've got his wife, Rial, who is communing with, with these, these spirits, you know, and she's the one who has the ancestral knowledge of this being an apath and, and those two things kind of colliding. And, and there's just every scene in this movie as the story progresses is something that you have to pay close attention to, but you're not forced to, you want to pay close attention. You want to know what's happening. You want to know their story. And, and that's an important trademark of, of what makes a good movie great is it's not just, I want to know what's happening because this mystery has been laid out in front of me. It's, I want to know what's happening because I'm so invested in everything that's being put on the screen in front of me. And there's just the story continues to unfold until we eventually learn the dark secret of, you know, that their daughter that they lost wasn't even actually their child. He pulled right. a Billy Zane and Titanic yeah, to, to get on the bus out of Sudan. And so then you start to think you're like, well, maybe they're terrible people. And then you go, well, they were fleeing a war-torn country and they did try to get a child out. So while the, you know, while it may have been selfish to do so, maybe, you know, a greater good type thing. And then there's this whole element of what is family and who becomes your family. And and that mm-hmm. idea of you, you're not allowed to tell people how to grieve or what's allowed to be traumatic in their lives. And it's just like, I, I have seriously, I've thought about this movie for like right now, 8.30 Eastern time. I'm right at like 24 straight hours of this has been one of the only things on my mind because every yeah. part of this story was so good. Um, I saw this on 
Monday. So Monday was President's Day. And um, Wesley had a um, an ear infection this weekend. And so he was not sleeping well. He was not resting well. And so um, he just kind of laid down next to me and was in and out of sleep. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I got to watch this movie and I've, I've got, I've got time. So let me do it now. Right. And I'm so glad that I've had two days, almost, uh, almost, you know, two and a half, almost three days to, to mull this one over because I have a tendency to watch something, hear something, experience something and give into the euphoria. Oh yeah, every concert, every concert I've ever left was the best concert I've ever been to. Absolutely. I, I am that guy. I am yeah. that guy. You know? Um, and I thought when it was done, I'm like, this movie is just, I mean, it's a masterpiece, it's perfect, it's amazing. And I was like, I'm I'm sure I'm gonna calm down. I'm sure I'm gonna, you know, come off this high and I'm just gonna be like, okay, well, it was good. But it was really that good. And and for for me. It starts with the story because this story is one that as um, the son of Cuban immigrants, I've heard countless times. And um, Cuba, I guess, has become this like this place where we go and we vacation and like it's uh, it's got beautiful beaches and the and the, the music and the food is great and all that. But um what what happened in cuba in the 50s is i don't want to say exactly like what has gone on in sudan because what's gone on in sudan has gone on for far longer and yes. the, the lives lost is, i mean it's there's no comparison but the trauma is similar and and so I, I I grew up hearing these stories, and particularly the story of the the leaving. The story right. of the leaving is one that is always um, painful to tell, but is constantly retold. Um, I think of it almost like physical therapy. If you've right. ever had to go through physical therapy, um, it is painful, and if you don't work through the pain you're never going to get better you're you're always going to have whatever issue it is but working through the pain kind of gets you to the other side where there's still pain but less so and and that's what i feel his house does masterfully is explore the the trauma of leaving this place that you love so dearly because you have to it's not a want it's not a desire it's not i want to go for a better life it's i want to go so i have a life and and they really did get to this and then the other aspect of that which kind of evolves from that is how do i assimilate without losing who I am. And that's, that's something that everyone who is um, an immigrant has to, has to go through because you want to be accepted 
you want to be successful in this new place that you've gone to, but you don't want to lose what you had before. And, and that is a really difficult balancing act. Um, particularly when you're going to a country that is famous or infamous for its, um, white supremacy. Yeah. Because that's not something that is germane to the United States. I know we like to think, are we better at it than a lot of countries? Maybe we're we're definitely better at it. You know, (laughs) if the U S is good at anything, it's being better, uh, than everyone else, including the bad things. Um, (laughs) but, um, we didn't invent it. We didn't, we didn't invent racism. We didn't, we don't own racism. But we racism hard here. And so when we see it, it's very easy to recognize it. And it's like, oh, yeah, nah, that's uh, that's subtle racism that's going on there. The Brits are just so polite that uh, it's it's hard to see because it's masked because they're offering yeah. you you know tea and crumpets while they're while they're telling you off. So um, that 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 part of the story for me was one that hit particularly close to home and i found that so much of this movie made me cry uh and it wasn't like sobbing it was just like a a steady stream of tears right that that would would just come and and wouldn't stop by the end of the movie i was like flat out sobbing it was it, it was embarrassing really what was going on. I'm so glad that the baby was asleep because if he would have been looking up and he's like, that's my old man. What the fuck? <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was really embarrassing, but it's like this movie moved me so much. And then it, you, you mentioned something that I think a lot of people are going to have an issue with, which is the, the, um, the daughter aspect of the story. Right how she comes to be their daughter, the sort of relationship that they build over the course of seemingly a couple of days and um, how they both kind of react to that because they both have very strong reactions and they're very almost opposite reactions. And those reactions are totally tied to what they want to accomplish once they've gotten to England. One yeah. wants to completely assimilate and the other wants to hold on to that culture. And so with with Bull wanting to assimilate, he's he's very, very quick to like let go of um shit. I can't remember the daughter's name now. Um it is very difficult to pronounce, uh, but it is spelled N-Y-A-G-A-K. <laughs> Nyagak. Yes. Right? I think that's I think that's how they said it. Nyagak or or Nyagak. Mm-hmm. Um I, they, um, he's very quick to just let it go. Like she was a tool to get us here. Right. And now we're, and now we're here. Um, and, uh, Rial is totally different. Like that was my daughter. Yeah. She's willing to go back to Sudan because these voices have told her that, that they can go back to her. She's willing everything yeah. that they, they sacrifice everything to escape. This this child that we eventually find out that, yeah, seemingly they had for a few days. She's willing to go back to all of that because these voices in the wall said that they can have her back. Here's here's what I love most about the the child aspect of this is that it is presented entirely without commentary. 
Yeah. It, uh, Remy Weeks is not saying that what they did was right or appropriate or inappropriate or incorrect. He's saying it simply is. Yes. And we as observers have um, reactions to this, some very visceral reactions to this. The The real issue, though, is that unless you've ever been in that sort of situation, you have you really, truly have zero idea how you're going to react. Yeah. None at all. Um, because I know for a fact that there's there's things that I've said I vehemently support or I vehemently am against. And when put in a situation where I had to make a decision about whatever, boom, it's instantaneous. And it's like, that's it. That's the fucking decision. Yep. And, and, and you have no idea where your mind is going to go in that moment. Very few of us have been in situations where our life depends upon the very next thing that you say, the very next thing that you do. And he made a move. Yeah. And you can agree with it. You can disagree with it. The fact of the matter is that it happened. And, yeah, and, and, and that's, and, and, and that's, and that's all that we can say about it. So, um, I, I love that it puts us in the situation where we are saying, was that okay? Would I have done that? Even if I hadn't done that, can I blame him for doing this? Can I blame her for going along with it? And now that she's gone along with it, can is it okay for her to continue to go along with this? At what point do you stop pretending that that's your daughter and emotionally she has become your daughter right there's there there's so many questions that go along with that because it's tied to ultimately i think what is the 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 core of the movie which is what who are you when you leave the place that is who you are and when you remove the heart of what you are you have to rediscover what that is can we continue to exist without that thing? Yeah. Can that thing continue to exist outside of the confines of where it was? This is something that here in Miami, because we are such a, a, a an eclectic group of immigrants here, um, this conversation has had more frequently than you might think how Latino you are if you do not speak Spanish. Ah. It's it's a it's it's a concept that um philosophically makes you think. If like I, I speak Spanish fluently, I read Spanish, I write in Spanish, um grammatically better than many people who uh <laughs> um it's like their their first language. And does that make me more Latino than them if they were born somewhere in Latin America? And for my son, who, despite my best efforts to have him speak as as, as Cubanly as possible, uh, speaks little to no Spanish, understands little to no Spanish. Does that make him less Latino than me? 
because we're we're both American born, and the blood goes back to the same the same roots. Does that and we we cook Cuban food, we listen to Cuban music, um, we talk about our culture. My wife and I. Does that make him less Latino? What about the person who who doesn't speak it at all, who doesn't understand it at all? Right. But was actually born in a Latin American country and then emigrated here really young and lost it. Are they less Latino? And 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 that I think is are 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 Bol and Rial less Sudanese because they've left Sudan. There's there's another movie that I think tackles this concept beautifully, masterfully, which again left me in like a, an absolute sobbing mess where my wife was looking at me like, "What the fuck is wrong with this guy?" Um, Elemental, yeah. the Disney movie. Wow, Th- this this is something where you don't need to have experienced it to feel for to have the story touch you. But it is something that touches you, especially if it's part of your story. Well, and there's a really interesting kind of sticking point there that it was something that, that I kind of went through with this from a a different type of cultural type thing, right? Like mine wasn't about uh, the uh, history, but it was about something that, that ended up happening through to bowl through the end of the movie which is when he realized that he had to come to terms with what he had done. And he Mm -hmm. had to not just leave all of that because not only was he, was he uh, in the mindset of having to completely assimilate culturally to living in England, but he also was of this mindset of that's the past. And now it doesn't matter anymore. And I need to move forward. And this is, Mm -hmm. this is me now. And uh, that was one that got to me as as somebody who, uh, you know, because of just hyper focus issues and things like that, you, I kind of get into these these different mindsets and these different things. And there, there's a great uh, Bob's Burgers scene that, like, I always go back to where, where Gene, like you watch him go through phases and he's just always yeah. screaming, this is me now. Right. <laughs> and but without like my like like i said without the the historical like kind of cultural aspects of it that idea of embracing and understanding that even your biggest most awful mistakes lead to the person that you are now is something mm-hmm. that that this that this movie puts at the forefront and it it's not only about okay sudan is our past england is our future we need to be english and so i'm gonna go to i don't know it was the gap or whatever right and he's buying <laughs> the chinos and the polo and right and he's just trying to he's just trying to do it straightforward it, it, it's not just about that but it's about when when he finally reaches a moment of peace with the apith and all of these or apith and all of these uh ghosts for lack of a better word that are yeah. that are in his home it's because he learns to embrace that even the bad things have led to the person he is but that doesn't mean he has to be a bad guy right and right. and in in you know just just because I am bad guy doesn't mean I am bad guy, right? So, <laughs> the 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 treasures of Zangief, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so 
you know, and that is something where I, you know, I've, 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 I've been through a lot of phases. I, I do a lot of things and, and sometimes, you know, they're just like hobby things and you move on and they're, they're, you know, maybe mm -hmm. they're part of them. You tell stories, but those are the parts that are easy to kind of gloss over or just have some stories from, but the, the experiences, the things that you live in your life, you will find that life is a lot harder if you are only ever looking forward and you're only ever wondering what's the next version of you that you're going to be mm -hmm. instead of embrace feels like the wrong word because embrace makes it feel like you're looking at them compassionately. Right. But unless you accept that, that the mistakes and the, the things that you've done wrong in your life don't have to define who you are, but they never go away. It should inform who you're going to become. The inform, person that you were should inform the person that you become um, and how it informs the person that you become. That's up to you. Right. And, and, and that's, that's a very personal thing, but, um, but you're right. If you don't accept the things that made you the person you are at this very moment, the next thing is totally disconnected from who you were and who you are right now. Um, it's um, there was something else I wanted to mention and Oh, right. You mentioned ghosts. Yeah. The way ghosts are used in this movie, I think, is number one, frightening as fuck. Oh my God, yes. Um, it, because we've been talking about how great the story is, but this actually is a really, really good horror movie. Yes. Um, I, I found myself not breathing a lot. And there were there were whole sequences where I was like, this can't get better like the tension needs to break eventually and it was like no 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 we're gonna pull this rubber band a little bit further there's yeah. even more tension but wait there's more it was always but wait there's more there was a scene where um ball is uh it was later in the movie where ball is seeing like as the lights are turning on and off and every time the lights turn off, there's more ghosts. Yes. And then he would turn the light on and then something would happen. And then eventually the lights turn off by themselves and he, he turns around and it's uh, Nyagak and she's the one controlling. It's like, holy fuck. And it's turning on and off. And it just it, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps now. Like I, I am speechless. I am very infrequently speechless. I usually have the words for things. And I don't have them for this. Every sequence was masterful because whether they were being presented as ghosts or being presented as zombies, I still don't know. But if right. they were being presented as zombies, they give George Romero a run for his money. And if they were being presented as ghosts, they give who I, I think the greatest ghost story we've done here so far has been Crimson Peak. And they give Guillermo del Toro a run for his money with the ghost there, too. Yeah, it's there's one of the things that, that was so great about this story is is again just kind of looking at, at the history of things we've done on the show and and the things that all horror fans ask, right? You you watch Amityville horror and you go, man, why didn't they just move? And then to learn why they didn't just move, you have to do like research into the historical housing markets and mm -hmm. and media and, and medial incomes, you know, and you've got to understand that well, it probably wasn't just an option. 
Right. <laughs> One of the things about this movie is you know why they can't just leave. Mm-hmm. Because if they leave, they have to go back. Mm-hmm. They because for for all of the horrors that that a ghost and and a possible like zombie old woman shuffle zombie old woman shuffling across your hallway, all of those horrors, you're willing to put up with those things because the the other horrors of going back to Sudan mm-hmm. are worse. So you know why they can't just leave. And and you and they didn't need to give us some long-winded explanation about that. We were just told right up front, you live here. You don't get, you yeah. know, you, and it was like, okay, so they, they can't leave. And, like, and, and Bull repeats numerous times, I am not leaving. I am not leaving, right? This mm-hmm. is my house mm-hmm. and and that 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 reoccurring thing and and my house and oh well his house is bigger than mine right and and mm-hmm. those that that constant affirmation of the ownership of this because uh, I mean, from what we're shown, they come to this house with like one hefty bag mm-hmm. of stuff, which uh, that what an incredible image that paints yes. that. Whatever you hold, whatever you contain, it's garbage. Yeah. It's a garbage bag. We didn't give you a suitcase. We we didn't give you a um a grocery bag, like a like a paper bag. No. We gave you a garbage bag. Yeah. And so they 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 have to stay. And so you so you see that. And then one of the other things about this movie that's so genius is all of those times when he's desperately fighting to get to the light switch. Mm-hmm. How many damn times have we watched creepy shit going down in a movie and somebody just wandering down a dark hallway passing light switches? <laughs> just, just, just. Turn the fuckers on. Yeah, yeah. Light be goddamned. I want to get there before I find out what's at the end of this hallway. No, this is a man who desperately doesn't want any of this to exist. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be living in this situation. And he's fighting for his life to flip a light switch. He's never, never violently attacking these things that are attacking him. He's trying to flip on the lights so that they won't be there Mm -hmm. so that he doesn't have to acknowledge their existence because acknowledging their existence is acknowledging the mistakes that he's made and that he has a past that his life did not start in this slum in England, that there is an entire world that he left behind. There's an element of survivor guilt here Mm -hmm. too. Where it's not just about, it's not just about, well, yes, something awful happened and we lost our daughter. There's also an element of, I don't want to think about and remember what we left in Sudan because you've got to assume that if they're from there, they had friends and family and those friends and family are not in England. Mm -hmm. So you also have to look at the fact that Bull is fighting the that that idea of it makes him a terrible person to have escaped and survivor guilt is uh, just like so many other things in this movie it's a it's a motherfucker mm-hmm. it screws with your head every if there's ever anything that's happened to you where you very or happened to somebody that you love and you very easily could have been in that same situation that is something that screws with your head just as bad as all of these other things. And so turning on the light for him is not just about survival 
in that moment because this ghost zombie thing is on my shoulders trying to slit my throat. It's also about if they're not here, I don't have to think about what I left. I don't right. have to sit here and which, which is which is the burning of the clothes, the from. burning of the doll, the burning of everything. You know, Rial says that was my father's, and it makes no difference to him because yeah. he has to leave all of that in the past. He can't he can't accept that. And Rial doesn't seem willing to want to adapt to uh to to England. She wants to stay in in that past because it's comfortable because it's yeah. what she knows because it's who she is, but neither of them is correct. Yeah. <laughs> and, exactly. and, and, and they're both correct because, yeah. because we cannot ever for a moment believe that what works for me works for everyone else. And I can't possibly believe that what works for me must work for someone else. If they are not in my shoes. Yeah. I mean, it's just, just, just so many, just like I said, the thing about this movie is everything can be broken apart. You're, you're, and you're, you're an English, you're an English teacher. So, so, you know, right? Like the best, the best things that you read, the best things that you watch are the ones where right, wrong, meant to be that way or not. You can take every little piece and you can make it mean something. And that is how something ends up meaning something to you is if like you said we're never he never presents to us what they did was good what they did was bad what they did was what they did right the light switch is a light switch if you want to see it as him trying to survive then you can see it that way if you want to see him as as another element of him forgetting his past you can see it that way and every time we do a movie that we end up just raving about like this it's because there's all of those little things that mm -hmm. we can pull apart there's all of those moments where we can do this we're at 45 minutes into this episode and we're we are very rarely just sitting around being like oh and remember when this happened that was cool right you know like those, <laughs> those, it's, those it's, it's not it's not about here's the thing um there's a difference between plot and story and um both the story and the plot here are very, very good. But it's not about the plot. It's not about what happens. It's about what it means. And and I think that in in a movie like to go back to uh, to what we were talking about, um, Crimson Peak, you can watch Crimson Peak without ever giving much thought to it and be like, man, that was a pretty good uh, ghost story. You know, right. That's a really good haunted house. His house works on that level, but I can't imagine anyone watching this and not accepting the invitation that Remy Weeks gives to dig deeper. It's 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 impossible. It's impossible to watch this and not immediately start digging into this thing. It's um, I've I've very rarely seen a movie that invites such sort of analysis. On, on what is, like you said, we've been talking about this thing for over 45 minutes. We could keep going for another 45 <laughs> and not be done talking about this story. I could write a fucking dissertation about this movie. Fuck, it is so good. Yeah, and so in, in, in moving forward and continuing to, like you said, dig into things, instead of just looking at the story here in a section that we're calling Tenet, let's look at the people. 
let's look at who is in this movie and why, again, this is something that we can just say is one of the great parts of this movie because <laughs> if, if you make it to an hour and a half, you kind of see where we're going rating this thing. But this is just, I mean, it's its just, it's just another, it's just another reason to talk about how amazing this is. Tell me about some characters, man. What did you love about people? Look, there's, there's like four people in this movie. Right. Um, and, and three of them have speaking parts. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, uh, the, the one that wasn't Doctor Who uh was a, a, a another british dude and and then there was like uh the 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 woman version of him that came in yeah right um <laughs> this movie is totally carried by two people um and i'm sure i'm going to butcher these names but i'm going to do my best runmi mosaku who plays rial and sope dirisu who plays bull um and like i'm honestly like I'll take one. You take the other. We're going to end up talking about both these people the entire time because like, listen, I'm a big Matt Smith fan. All right. Huge Doctor Who fan. Whovian from like birth, basically. Right. Um, but this is not his movie. And he does a fantastic job in this. Yeah. Stellar job. Really, really good. But this is not his movie. Um, this is their movie. Um, uh, Mosaku and Durasu's movie. It's insane the i i think who i'm gonna want to talk about first though is um wunmi mosaku as rial holy fuck this this was uh and i'll tell you exactly what it was for me like the moment where i was like she's my favorite in this and it's like it's like picking children because like they're both like so damn good I'm interested in where you're going with this because I have one exact moment too. So now I'm, 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 I'm okay. Let's see if it's the same one. She doesn't know where ball is. She's looking through the house. She opens the door into uh, the utility closet or something like that. And there's all these ghosts sitting there looking back at her. And she just looks at the ghosts and does something with her face. I can't describe what it is. It, but there's a resolve there. Like she knows what is going on. She figured yeah. it out. And it's like fucking 20 minutes into this movie. There's another hour and 10 minutes left. And she's like, I know what the fuck this is. Yeah. And, um, and, and this fucking guy, he's not going to fucking cut it. I'm going to have to do this. There's something in her face. She fucking does it. It's brilliant. And I, I was like, I don't know that I've ever seen strength in in a, any character before quite like what i saw in her the moment for me with her is after he decides what has to be done and what has to be done is they have to burn everything oh uh, yeah and and he and he's he's got the barbecue in the back going and he's throwing everything on there and he, he throws the doll and you can see how pain she is and he makes that movement towards her necklace mm -hmm. and she stops him and and in just just the coldest, like most heartfelt, uh, and those are two weird things to say together. Mm -hmm. Just delivery of a line ever. She looks at him and says, "Don't, Don't. leave me mm -hmm. with nothing." Yeah, and like I have I have chills saying it, and I didn't deliver it with a tenth of the power mm -hmm. that she had in that moment. And and I was just like, I 
I will, I will follow you and watch everything you make for the rest of your career. Like yeah. this is, I couldn't like that moment, especially because until then, one, one, one thing about this, uh, when you look at this movie is, 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 is it's called his house. Mm-hmm. People always say his house. Bowl always says, this is my, my house. house. Yeah. Right. So there's always this kind of what I assume is kind of a cultural thing of man being slightly above woman thing. And, and their relationship were kind of led to believe that he grabs the girl. She goes along with it because, you know, he makes the decision. And then, but there was that moment where it was like, okay, so she's, she's playing a role, but she's not, she she's not just some subdued woman who's just going to go along with everything that her husband says, right. Mm-hmm. That, that, that she understands like her, her power in this relationship and, and her equality as, as a member of this relationship just, and, and it was all just boiled down into that pinpoint of a moment that was so damn good. Um, it, that one moment that you're describing is exactly like it it defines who she is because she she is tied intimately to Sudan without it it I mean um think like Dracula Dracula has to sleep in his soil right, right. um without the the earth the Sudanese earth she's lost and the last vestige of her past is about to be destroyed and and um weird little story i don't know why i just thought well i know why i just thought of this (laughs) um this this swiss army knife right um was given to me by my grandfather Right. Um, and he was trying out different little, you know how like businesses have like pens with their names on them and stuff. And uh, he was trying out different things, you know, little notepads and stuff like that. And he had one of these done and he was like, it's going to be too expensive. Who the hell's going to want one of these anyway? And I was in the office and um, he was like, do you want this? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll take it. There's no chance he ever remembered giving me this, right? But I take a um, a pocket knife or like a multi-tool or something with me everywhere because I'm a fucking nerd, right? <laughs> and for a long time, I carried this one with me. And it must have been a month after he died. I was wearing uh, a pair of shorts with um, pretty shallow pockets, and this somehow fell and i was sitting on a couch indoors in someone's house there's no chance it was going to get lost i lost my fucking mind because there is power in things yeah and only as much power as you give them but if you've given this thing power, now it means something beyond it being just a knife. And I remember how much I freaked out. And I remember exactly how I felt 
when I found it. That's exactly what she was feeling. This thing beyond it being beads, right? Because she takes it off of the, um, the doll that she had. Right. Right. Beyond it being beads, beyond it being anything with just my, my father, it is home. Cause this is not home. This might be your house, but it's not your home. Home is always going to be over there in Sudan. And if I have this, this one little thing, at least I still have home with me. Yeah. And if you're, if you're watching live, there is my knife. Also, uh, it was my grandfather's. So I'm uh, right there with you. And I also take this everywhere I go. The only reason I didn't have it with me when I met you is because I, I didn't check a bag and I couldn't have it on the plane. Right. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, she's just, she's, and there's, you know, and then outside of just that, you're talking about how Sudan is so intimately tied into who she is. This is a woman who literally wears Sudanese culture on her skin. Mm -hmm. I mean, she is, she's got, she's, she's got scarification on her mm -hmm. eyes that she says was given to her when she was a child, a very cultural thing. And then she's got the one on her arm that she gave herself. This is a woman who can never burn everything that is of her past. She understands much earlier uh, than, than Ball does that, that we can't just forget who we are because we're somewhere new. And mm -hmm. for her, it's impossible. She's always going to have those things. And it's, a, and it's a, it's a little touch that, you know, we get this one little kind of conversation with between her and the nurse taking your blood pressure and stuff, but you, you are, you become very distinctly aware of how tied to Sudanese culture and to like, you're, like you said, home, she will always be, she can't run from that. She, she, like I said, literally wears it every day of her life. She just ended up becoming this amazingly powerful character who it's easy at one point to kind of write off as maybe crazy, right? Because she's not handling this move well. And she gets lost easily trying to follow this really shitty map that the dude drew. And she's, you know, when, when bowl leaves the house for the first time, he's immediately greeted by this guy at a church. who's like, Hey, you're an immigrant. Here's cookies. Mm -hmm. Come watch soccer and let's sing this <laughs> song, you know? And, and he's like, yeah, fuck yeah. England's great. And yeah. it's a white guy. And then uh, Rial leaves the house. She gets lost and she immediately gets hassled by black teenagers mm -hmm. who, you know, you can only assume at one point she possibly felt comfortable walking up to because they were something that seemed like home. Mm -hmm. And then you're immediately reminded you may live here now, but this is not your home. And so she she lived a very different experience through all of that. And so there's a moment in the middle where you're like, oh, man, she's listening to ghosts. She's willing to go back home. We're pretty sure this girl's dead and she thinks ghosts are going to bring her back. And then after all of that, we find out, wait, maybe the ghost can bring her back. Mm -hmm. But then she says, uh, well, then she shows us what we were talking about earlier, which is accepting the past in order to move forward let it inform 
who you're going to be. And she's not going to be somebody who's going to throw away what could be a brighter future to hang on to one element of her past. She's going to save what she has. And she, the one thing she wanted all movie was her daughter back. It was informing all of her decisions until that point, wanting to go back, wanting to sacrifice, wanting to do whatever they said. But then she leaves it. She leaves that she leaves their daughter literally lets go of her hand. And in, in just one of those moments where you're like, Oh, she just literally let go of her past yeah. in a moment where we watched her figuratively let go of her past. Right. But what's beautiful about this movie is as on the nose as it was, it didn't feel, it didn't feel stupid. It felt no, like no, it was perfect. no, because <laughs> the, the the real and the surreal are happening at the same time in this movie and they're never presented as happening in different realms of existence because they're all very real in our minds yeah um i i love the way um the setup for that scene where she's back in uh in sudan and the the women at the school tell her you have no daughter right that line boggled me for a while and i i still don't know i i feel like there's so much depth to that one line and i don't think it has anything to do with her not biologically being niagak's mother i think it has to do with the fact that currently at this juncture you don't have a daughter. She died. Yeah. In 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 crossing the sea, she died. And you do, however, have a husband right now in the present. And you can yeah. live, you can live for him, and you can remember the daughter, but you don't have a daughter. You have a future. You have a future. Exactly. Go go to that future. And the future is not him. The future is not her. The future is the future. Whatever it is that that's going to be, go to that. Don't go to the past. Let the fa let the past inform, right? Because they 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 hold her um they hold her abdomen, they hold her womb, and it's like she's not there. Yeah, it's it it's in the past, and it's it, it's it's very um, uh, Rafiki from yeah. from Lion King, you know. It doesn't matter. It's in the past. It's in the past. You know, the past can hurt, but, <laughs> but you, but you move forward. Yeah. I mean, it, she just, she continued to prove just, like I said, in, in a, in a character that was presented to us about halfway through the film as somebody who was possibly losing their mind, she proved to be the more stable and the more, the stronger, the more, the more powerful of the two. Um, and so we've got, uh, Oliver chiming in saying, could the teenagers represent the full assimilation of the descendants of the immigrants? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. There's so bravo, Oliver. Yes. You, you learned something in my class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With, without a doubt, that is what the teenagers were showing is, mm -hmm. is again, that, that you, there becomes this moment where, do you eventually give up everything of who you were 
to uh to assimilate into um into this moment and (laughs) on a totally other level (laughs) buddy of mine from work what about the dog What about the dog, Danny? What, what, what indeed? <laughs> so, um, so, you know, so, so, kind of moving forward, there, there is another side to this coin, mm-hmm. and that is, um, uh, Sope Dirisu as, uh, oh, hold uh, on, yep. no, I, I'm, I'm moving yeah. forward, and yeah. I am very sorry. Yes, uh, as Sope Dirisu <laughs> as Bull, and like we've said, he's the guy who establishes he needs to move forward and create a family like those teenagers that mm-hmm. Oliver is referencing. He, he needs to be British. And what is it to be British? Right. I got to eat these cookies. I got to sing stupid songs about soccer players like that. Right. That's what it takes. And so he continues to move forward. I, I went and I, I went and I was kind of looking into the, the two actors who played these roles and something I was in no way surprised to find out. And that is that Sopadirisu is a, a national Shakespeare is, is like a national Shakespeare company like uh actor color me surprised yeah like yeah like yeah Yeah. royal shakespeare company (laughs) yeah oh never saw that coming like yeah right (laughs) this dude was unreal to Mm -hmm. watch him go from like oh i'm gonna fix the door and i'm gonna do this to unhinged and just knocking holes in the wall with the hammer and just completely losing his mind and all of it felt so good and so real and to but I think when it comes down to it, it's that look that he gives Rial when he gets on the bus and he's sitting there holding that girl and he says a million words with his silent with look and yeah. his look at her. And it's it's that exact thing you were talking about. It It happened. We move forward. This is what we did. And here's where we are now. What do we do with it in this moment? You know, it's and so he just I was continually impressed the scene where he's sitting in the office uh, telling him, oh, I need a new house like this one has. That's the scene that I knew we were going to get back to. What a fucking scene. And he's sitting there and he's got the weird, like nervous laughter Mm -hmm. and he's and his legs bouncing and he's kind of scratching at his leg and he's all wrapped up from the, Mm -hmm. the damage that he's taken from these ghosts and things like that. And. Oh, wow. Wow. Like, I didn't need Matt Smith to be like, oh, look at you. You you look like uh, I didn't need Matt Smith to tell me he smelled bad in that moment. Like, right. I could tell from looking at him right there. I was like, that dude does not smell good right now. That's how good his acting was. Yeah. I could tell that he did not smell good <laughs> in that moment. It was it was completely there. It was, yeah. it was incredible. Yeah, he. um He never ever failed to sink lower and lower into into the um the 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 realm of despair because as he did the thing that he thought he needed to do which is fully assimilate into this this new place which is their new home right um things just got worse for him yeah. And 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 it's for the same exact reason as things got worse for Rial. Only the inverse of it. Yeah, because, exactly. Because as as she is unwilling to let go of the of the past and move towards the future, he's unwilling to acknowledge the past. 
I love the scene where they're standing in front of the window and um, he's telling her, you know, I will not go back. Look at everything that we've lost to come here. And she kind of just looks at him. She's and I don't know if it was that she said you can't even say her name or something like that. But she said something that actually forced him to acknowledge and he couldn't. Right. He had to turn around and walk away. And it's it's that sort of like inability to communicate with the only person that you need to communicate to at that moment. Uh, and and um beyond it being his wife, right? Because you should assume that, you know, your, your, your spouse, your, um, your, your partner, like that's the person that you should be most communicative with when you've gone through a traumatic experience with someone, you need to talk to those people, right? Because it's through that communication that we end up in a place where we're okay. And until you're okay, you're not okay. There's not shades of right. okay. There's not it's 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 like being pregnant. Like you either are or you aren't. <laughs> but you're either okay or you're not okay. You can't be a little okay, right? There's it's like you can't be a little pregnant. I get it. I'm with you. There's there's things that help you feel like you're more okay. Weed makes you feel you're a little more okay. Alcohol makes you feel you're a little more okay. But you're not. It's a, they call it liquid courage for a reason, right? Like once once you've pissed it out, once you've sweated out, you're back to where you started. And so you the only way to do it is to do the hard work, to to work through the pain. And he's he's not willing to work through that pain. He's got to leave it in the past. He's got to leave it behind him. And he does such an amazing job of doing that when he finally looks the apeth in in the eye. And he accepts that, like, I, I I need to do this. Yeah. Like, I, I've been running from my past for too long. If it kills me, I have to acknowledge my past. That what what a what a moment, man. Yeah. I mean, and like and then at the the very end when they're sitting there talking to, you know, the people who come to inspect the house or whatever, because Matt Smith had to report it. And mm-hmm. uh and Matt Smith says, uh, well, what about the APIT? And then he mm-hmm. just says, "Oh, we all killed it." And yeah. and and and, and, and it's it was, matter of fact. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, I mean, just just flat as can be. Mm-hmm. And so, like, not only is he just saying, stating matter of factly what happened, you know, because you know, metaphor aside, we watched her physically kill this thing, right? But it was in that moment when you start to see him acknowledging their marriage as a partnership. Mm-hmm. And him acknowledging that she brings as much, if not more, to this than I do. I totally expect him to say it, it was never there, or yeah. we, or we stopped it, we, or we, yeah, we, we it got rid him. of it. It yeah, wasn't him. No, it was not him. He was. <laughs> he had consigned himself to mm-hmm. letting the past overtake him. Right. It's, you know, it's, it's that it, he, he was, he was not in, in the words of Bruce Lee being like water, right. He was damming right. it up and he was going to mm-hmm. let him drown. He was going to let it drown him. He was going to let the past kill him. And in that moment, he acknowledged that she was right. 
and she killed it and she pushed him forward. She dragged him out of that. And like I said, for, for all the, his house, my house, you know, this is my life now. That was the moment where it was like, Oh, maybe, maybe they are okay now. And maybe they do have a partnership and this is something where they're, they're going to approach it and realize that there's, there is a balance between completely accepting what's in the future and completely denying what's in the mm -hmm. past. Maybe somewhere in the middle is where you can be happy and be a functional human being moving forward. Absolutely. Um, so there's, there's one more area that I want to get into, which I kind of teased um, because I'm, I'm so excited about this movie. Um, and, and that's filmmaking because as, as you stated, Daniel, this is Remy weeks freshman film. Yeah. Th to me, that's bonkers. That's bonkers. Um, that someone can come like right out of the gate and I'm, I'm sure he's made, you know, short films, independent films that are pretty great in themselves. Ari Aster was like that too, mm -hmm. where it was like, Hey, I've got this like catalog of, of short films, but here's my first feature and it's perfect. Yeah. That, that how often does that happen? So um, is there anything here in this movie that you would like to uh, point out where it's like that thing? It was just, you know, amazing. There are so many things, right? <laughs> there, are just, there are just so, so many things. Um, I want to start with the I want to start with the end. Let me let me do it mm -hmm. like Tarantino. Right. I'm going to I'm going to start at the end here. <laughs> Uh, that moment at the end where we get Bull and Rial standing in the doorway, staring into the other one and physically, I mean, just literally facing their past. Mm -hmm. And then the camera cuts and we see it and it's them and it's also behind them. And <sighs> that shot so beautifully encompassed everything we've talked about which is yes the past hurts and the past is in the past and it and and it can be behind you but it also needs to be a part of who you are going forward yeah. all of those things that we keep saying were perfectly framed in this one moment in the movie where we see that their past is in front of them and it's behind them and we see them in the middle of it accepting all of that and looking happy looking like they're ready to face the world and that was such a powerful and gorgeous way to end this movie and and it was it was that was like you said this i mean the the credits roll on this thing and it's just every time you stop and think about a different scene that you hadn't got to until now you realize how beautiful and powerful that scene was and to end on that one to leave you with that note yeah that's why when this movie's over you just go wow which yeah. is i believe all i texted you when it was over yeah I, three letters just said wow and that is all we talked about before we started today yeah yeah um that that left that left me a mess that that back and forth them looking at the at, at the ghosts and the ghosts looking at them and there was no malice in them anymore right it was it was not a um 
like you're and they fighting were, they were, your past. They were just people. They weren't in any sort of like tribal or war paint anymore. Yeah. They were just people now. Yeah. Um, absolutely beautiful. Um, there was something else, and it has to do with uh, Sudan that to me was a um, – when when she jumps out the window and she's in the courtyard of the school – it's beautiful. Yes. The colors are so vibrant. The the colors are saturated, like overly saturated. It's the first time in the movie where there's lots of life on the screen. And yeah. it's beautiful. And then she walks into she walks into the classroom and all the women are dressed beautifully. There's all this color, all this life there, and it's been completely devoid of it. Not that there isn't gorgeous imagery in this movie because there's lots of it. But a lot of the colors are desaturated for a for a reason. Like, they're not having a great time. Right. And not that's, having a good time, right? yeah, that's, that's part of how you relay that to your audience is, is through color, right? I mean, anyone who's, who's studied art, even like at the elementary school level, like you, you, you went to, you went to school and you took an, an art class and you learned about Pablo Picasso's blue period. You know, it's like, yeah, blue means sad. Like we know <laughs> that there's certain colors that relay emotion to us. Right. So like on a very simple level, color colors inform us about how we should feel. It's the same way music does. And for the first time ever, we're just like our our eyes are treated to a feast of color and it is so beautiful. And when she turns around and she sees bowl and then she turns back around the colors remain and everyone's dead. Yeah. Because the beauty of this place doesn't die because you're no longer there because the, because the past is tainted now, but the, the beauty still, it's a, it's a really odd sort of duality that's going on there. And it reminded me a lot of the way that my grandparents spoke about Cuba, where um, there was always a little bit of pain in the way that they spoke about it, a longing for it. But you have to really love this thing that brings you the pain. Otherwise, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be painful. And and so I, I love the way that that was presented there. Um, because the glimpse that we get of Sudan at the beginning of the movie is covered in dust and smoke and, and, and bullets. And when we go back to when that story continues, that is the way that it's presented because outside of this memory, what's actually going on in Sudan is, is awful. Right. It's terrible, but there's people and lives being lived there and wherever there's life, there's, there's beauty. Yeah. And I, I absolutely loved the way that that one little directorial choice of like, there's going to be, it's not a pop of color. Like 
the the whole fucking spectrum of light is on display for you here. It was it was beautiful. It was it was sad. It was it was. I I could I could go on and on. Yeah. I mean, they, there was, there's another one that really got to me. And again, like I said, looking towards the end when he does finally come, um, face to face with the, the Apeth and it, it doesn't just grab him. It doesn't just rip out his throat or go to eat him. It tries to become him. It literally crawls inside of his skin. And, you know, a, a whole a whole section of this could have been this movie. I can only assume didn't have too much of a budget because it didn't have, you know, like any sort of huge release or anything mm-hmm. like that that I remember. But holy shit, what they spent on special effects, they used every half cent of that yeah. beautifully. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it it like we get this scene of its hand inside his skin yes and like literally separating his skin from his muscle and becoming him and it gives you this amazing visual of when you let the when you let the when you let the sadness when you let the past and the the horrible things that you have been trying to hide when you let them overcome you it's not just that they kill you it's that that becomes who you are and that that becomes all you know right so you get into this you get into this really weird moment that has not been really addressed this well i think since we did nighthouse right yeah. where where you're looking at 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 a at a depression and and a sadness just becoming everything that you are and they again something that's so incredibly on the nose yet done so beautifully that it's not bothersome. Mm-hmm. One other directorial decision of this movie that I thought was genius, you can call it story, you can call it directorial decision, whatever, is every time somebody that wasn't them experienced something that had happened to the house because of these ghosts, they didn't actually experience it, right? He he sees the hole in the wall and he's pulling all the stuff out, but then nobody else sees the hole in the wall, even though he peels all the paint. Mm-hmm. So even though in the floor, when the ape comes up out of the floor, at the end of the movie, we're shown where it came out, but mm-hmm. they've covered it with a rug. All yeah. the holes in the wall that they fixed were the ones that he made with a hammer. When somebody else comes right. in, what, what could have been a moment to be like, there was a goddamn witch and it came out of the floor <laughs> right there. Yeah. Instead, they covered that up. Why? Because that doesn't matter anymore. Because we've beat that part. Because while the past does matter, that was the part that we need to leave behind. Whether it's it's amazing because I went back and I rewatched the end of this movie again today, and I was I paused that scene to try to see if I could see a, like a big dent in the middle of that yeah. rug or something to try to prove to myself that there was actually a hole in that floor, or was this part of the metaphor of all of this coming to kill him. And I paused it and I got right up on my TV and look, I ain't rich, but I got a pretty good TV and and it's my TV. Um, and I got, (laughs) and I got right up on it and you can't tell. No, you, you don't know. 
if there's actually a hole in the floor. Yeah, there's a cut in his arm, but we saw him make that cut in the arm. And no, he doesn't seem to be gushing blood like something reached up in there and massacred that cut in his arm. And so that that one moment that could have been like, look, look, we're not crazy. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter anymore to them at that point because they'd won. Because they'd established who they are and who they were going to be. And they'd made peace with who they were. And like, and I keep going back to this because I think it's one of the, the, the best things you said in this episode. They're letting it inform who they're going to be and not decide. And covering up that hole was just that. What came out of that hole doesn't decide who we're going to be and what our future is. But it's a part of what we're going to do. We make that decision. There's uh there's one other scene I want to talk about before we get to rating. Um and it has to do with food. Um there's this kind of funny um wholesome scene that informs a later scene where he comes home. This is just after he's gone back from from the church with the soccer and the singing and the cookies and all that. And she's uh, she's sitting on the floor. She's laid out um, uh, a rug or a blanket and they've got uh, she's cooked dinner. Right. And he sits down and he says, hang on. And he stands up and he comes back and he's got forks and knives. Um, Something I've learned from watching. Um, there's no such thing as too much Anthony Bourdain, but a lot of Anthony Bourdain Correct. is that there are. Lots of cultures where eating with anything other than your hands is disrespectful. Yes. And I don't know much about Sudan. Um, I know as much as I have researched in relation to things that I see in the news. Um, But I can gather that forks and knives are not the norm. And there's this funny moment because I I think it was meant to be lighthearted where she says, all I can taste is the metal. Yeah. And it was, it was a really sweet moment because like we hadn't really seen them bond until that moment. And it's like, he's trying to bring her into, um, you know, this, this English culture, she's trying to ground him in the Sudanese culture and maybe it's working. And then the next time we see them eat together, everything melts away. And you see the image that's in our background right now, where um, it was it was so beautifully edited. The way that that it's focusing on him sitting, eating, right? And at the table, at the table, sitting and eating at the table fork and knife and camera cuts to where she is and she's gone now. And then the camera cuts back to him and it slowly pulls out and we see that the wall has crumbled and he's sitting in the middle of the ocean where all the zombies start to come out. It is fucking masterful. It's beautiful. I think that there's not a single shot in a George Romero zombie movie that is better yeah. than 
than this. Uh, same thing as the one on the couch. Not one shot in a Romero movie that is better. As good, yes, there's lots of them uh, because Romero is a fucking god. But better than I, I, this movie managed to be touching and emotional and scary. And I think that um, it's very easy to have listened to us for the last hour and 27 minutes and, and thought, well, this was a great movie about all these other things. Where's the horror? And the horror is there throughout. Yes. And the, the, the horror is there throughout, throughout the whole movie. It is there. There's a sense of dread and the sense of dread. The thing is that the horror here is a very real world horror and it's explored in a very real world way because it's done through culture and it's it's brilliant um i cannot wait for remy week's next movie i can't uh, i i can't wait to re-watch this i just have to be emotionally prepared for it because now that i know i can't watch this with anyone around right because yeah. immediately i will be on instagram live <laughs> and everyone's going to be making fun of oh look at the old man who cries when he watches movies. Yeah, no, this 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 is and and you you've got a very good point there because, you know, for for all that we went round and round about after midnight and and how and, and the storytelling in that movie versus the horror. And yeah, we have spent a lot of time in this episode not focused on like the traditional horror elements of that, but as you listen do not let us make you believe at any point that this movie was not scary because it is tense and it is scary and it is horrifying throughout, which leaves us with one more thing. Yep. And that is, it's time to rate this movie. And if you've been with us for 90 minutes at this point, you kind of know where we're going, but let's put it out there for you. Just like we always do. If you just started listening or you're new to it, or you're just not hundred percent sure you remember how this works. Every time we rate a movie, we only rate it against itself. So as much as we've referenced other movies, George Romero, all of those things, we are not rating his house against all of those. We are just looking at the movie presented to us here in his house. In order to do that in every movie, we create a unique rating system that only exists for that one movie. So Dave, out of a possible five burning memories, what do you give his house? Six. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah no look we've we've spent 90 minutes giving you all yeah. the reasons there's only so much recap hang this thing from the rafters this is a certified gold uh there's there is there is no touching this this is one that i will and now this is one i will not say i will rewatch on the regular because it is emotionally tolling yeah like you've said this is not a oh i'm seven beers deep and want to watch a horror movie and have some fun yeah let's throw on his house movie right that's that's why return of the living dead <laughs> yes exactly that's why these movies exist. yeah yeah <laughs> this movie exists to draw everything out of you that you could mm. possibly put into it and and yeah like i said with without a doubt this thing is is a certified six out of five there there yeah. there's there's no questions here you know we basically said that at the top i think you opened mm -hmm. by saying it's perfect yeah. and now we'll close by saying it's perfect too so the quick math on that for anybody who doesn't feel like doing it themselves is this is a certified six 12. out of five yeah yeah this is a 12 <laughs> this movie's incredible if you've been yeah. listening to us this whole time and if we have not sold you on it then this movie's just obviously not for you because we could go another 30 minutes singing its praises mm -hmm. but we've been pretty happy with our 90 minute format 
So if you've enjoyed this episode, there have been a lot of you guys who have hung around with us uh, this whole time. Oliver, Danny, thank you for chiming in. If you're listening and you're not watching live, don't forget, just like the two of them, you can catch us live every Wednesday at 9, 8 Central. We go out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and uh, which one am I forgetting? X, oh, just those three. Twitter. No, we, yeah. we don't we do not do Twitter anymore because we just weren't getting any views there. So yeah. Facebook, Instagram, and uh, and YouTube. You can catch us on all those. We are at ShiverPod on all of those places. Mm-hmm. If you head to ShiverPod.com, you can get links to all of those. We'd love to hear from you. And I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there just because I keep running across these. I still have a bunch of these awesome stickers that I made to take hey. to the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would like one of these, we'd love for you to advertise us and let people People know that you listen to us. Hit our DMs with your address. I'll grab a roll of stamps and I'll make sure to drop one or two of these in the mail for you. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we've got some ideas of what we're going to be doing going forward. Uh, Dave, next week we are doing Sweetheart. So we will be finishing yeah. up our Black Horror with Sweetheart. And mm-hmm. we have established that the year of the monster 2024 will open in March with zombie films. So we will be doing zombie movies all through the movie of all through the month of March. We've got, I've got, I've got a list of stuff to go through. We've both been talking about some different stuff we want to do. This is one where this is, all of these are really going to be tough for us to just narrow down to four. Once we can kind of laser focus on one thing, let us know what you think we should be doing. We'd love to hear from you and we'll come up with some ideas. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and we'll tell you what we're going to be watching. Absolutely. So on behalf of all of us here at Shiver, fright you very much.